one of the top causes of business death in the United States is growing too fast. If you grow too fast and you can't handle the operations, you your business risks death. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name. Enjoy. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And today we've got a dynamite interview for you if you want to scale your business without it killing you, um, which I know uh, I'll sign up for and I know most most business owners will. So uh, today I am talking with Zach Stuckey. Zach helps business owners uh, work, you know, through the ups and downs of scaling. He knows that most business owners work very hard to close sales, kind of filling up their cup so that the business can grow. And sometimes the cup reaches its limit. And unless you go and and, uh, find a bigger cup, you make a mess. So Zach comes in to help you increase your business's capacity. He helps you fill it up so that you can grow profitably. He's helped businesses hit 40% year over year growth rates, which if you've never hit a 40 or 50% year, year over year growth rate, and I've done it a few years, it it's monstrous and it, and it can rip things apart real carefully if you don't know what you're doing. So he's helped companies do that. He's generated plans that added 1.2 million to the bottom line and beat growth projections by 60%. So he knows how to take companies through that. And today he is going to share his wisdom with all of us. Zach Stuckey, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Thanks so much, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited because I've been talking to more and more business owners lately who have kind of emerged from the startup phase. You know, they've kind of gotten to that first half million or three quarters of a million in revenue, and they're starting to get some momentum. But now things start to get really scary because they've got to start building team and growing and a lot of times that can mean uh, that can mean a lot of expense. So I'm excited to go through what we're going to talk about today. Um, before we do that, tell us a little bit about Zach. Like, how did you get to this stage? How did you gain this expertise? Yeah, you know, I I was looking back on my career, and one of the things that I realized is that, you know, my career has basically just directed me to this my just my whole adult life. Um, as a kid. Uh, my mom taught me to see patterns and just look for patterns everywhere. And, you know, I just continued that through. And then when I got married, my wife and I would go out to dinner and she, we'd be sitting there and I'd say, Hmm, you know, they should do this to fix it. And they should do that to fix this. And they should do this to fix this. And my wife says, yeah, we really can't go out to dinner together anymore because if you're (laughs) going to do this the whole time. (laughs) So I, I got my undergrad and, and started working again, with small businesses that had just exited that startup phase that had really um, created a a duplicable business model that they were then ready to scale. And so that's just what my experience in education has been in since then. And, and for me, it's, it's just my passion, Steve. I I love this stuff. You know, I I saw a statistic that was something like something on the order of 70% of all businesses in the United States sit right around that half a million to a million dollar mark. And, and these are really the backbone of our economy. 
And, uh, you know, the chance to help people out to really impact their community and make their mark on the world is just huge. I just, it gets me fired up. That's awesome. That's awesome. So where's the best place to begin this conversation? There's so much to unpack. So maybe we start like this. When you're working with a client to kind of get them moving down the path of scaling and scaling without it, you know, kind of cannibalizing the business, where do you begin? What's the first thing you look at? Yeah, the first thing that I look at is, do they have a solid plan in place? Do they have a vision for where they want to go? Because, um, you know, there's a great quote from Alice in Wonderland, the book. Alice comes to this fork in the road and the Cheshire cat appears. And she says to the Cheshire cat, which way do I go? And he says to her, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be when you're done? And she says, well, I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter. And he says, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go, which path you take. And a lot of times I feel like business owners can be that way. They have this, well, I want to be wealthy or I want to do X. I want to do Y. But, but if you don't have this clear vision about what you want to create, where you want to take your business and what that really means in a way that you can almost touch, then you'll never get there. And so the first thing that I do is I make sure that they have a strong vision in place that, that energizes not only them, but also their team as well. Because you have to remember that it's not just them driving this vision. And the people who are that way, who are kind of these tight-fisted, I'm going to make this vision ha- happen no matter what, they get burned out pretty quick or they turn crazy kind of like Steve Jobs. I mean, people were afraid to get into the elevator with that guy because they were afraid when they reached their floor, they wouldn't have a job anymore. So, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we want to be sure that, that, uh, that's not the case. Yeah, for sure. So, so with the vision in place, um, well, no, I actually, I want to back up on this vision thing. I hear people talk about that all the time. And I, I find that there are two kinds of visions. The first is the kind that, you know, business gets to this stage, they've, they read like good to great. And they say, I got to have a vision and a mission or, you know, whatever they want to call it, you know, their Their purpose, their why. Yeah, that's big now. And they come up with a statement and they stick it on the wall. And okay, that's great as far as it goes. But I, I feel like that that sometimes doesn't get translated into reality. Then the other kind of vision that I think exists out there a lot is, is the unspoken vision. Like we all sort of, it's assumed we all know where we're going. You know, there is one there, but it's just not talked about. So are you talking about those sorts of visions? What are you, what specifically in your mind is a vision for a business of this size? Yeah. So the vision is, I'm 10 years down the road and where am I? What does my business look like? How many states am I operating in? How many cities am I operating in? How many employees do I have? You know, what are my gross revenues in order to achieve that? Am I even involved in the business anymore? Or is there someone who's replaced me as the CEO and uh, I'm off sipping my ties on a beach somewhere? You know, all of that stuff is part of the vision. But like you say, it's that unwritten component of the vision you know, there's, there's a certain level of quality that, that is involved in that vision of, of the quality that you're delivering to your customers or your clients, you know, are all of this is kind of tied up into that vision. 
And a lot of times we think that employees are just going to absorb this through osmosis. You know, it's all up here. And then, yeah, sometimes we'll write it in a mission statement and stick it up on the wall. And then we'll assume that they're absorbing it through osmosis because they're looking at it. But you can't assume that. All I'm talking about here is being intentional. So you're intentional about writing that vision down. You're intentional about sharing it with your employees and you're intentional about consistently reviewing it with your employees and holding everyone accountable to moving toward that vision. If you can do that, that's when businesses really start to get going. I'll give you an example. Um, I know a guy, he's uh, in a very, very highly competitive market and he's worked his whole life um, in this one industry. And he kept telling his employees, we're going to build a billion dollar business. We're going to build a billion dollar business someday. That's our goal to make this into a billion dollar business. And when, when he first started saying that people were like, Oh, you're crazy. We're never going to build this into a billion dollar business. And in, let's see, but almost 20 years now, he has managed to become the leading firm in his industry, in the state that he competes in. Um, and is getting regular offers from private equity firms to purchase his business for obscene amounts. And all of a sudden, the people in his business are saying, holy cow, like, we could actually be a billion dollar business. Like, we could actually do this. And he just says, that's what I've been trying to tell you guys, if you'd be listening. But that's that's what I'm talking about, that, that intentionality of holding that vision and holding space and consistently reminding your team that this is where we're going so that they can all be on the same page and moving together. That's vital. And that's yeah. just stop one. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad we kind of took a little bit of time to go over that because people hear, Oh, you got to have a vision and they tend to either gloss over it and sort of say, okay, well, that's great, but I want to, I want to start doing something, you know, and I think that's really difficult to do. You can't skip the step. You've got to do the step, but you've got to do it the right way. You've got to come up with a vision. That's what I'm hearing from you is you've got to have a concrete vision. It's probably got to be simple so you can communicate it. And then you've got to communicate it again and again and again and again, so that not only are you sold on it, but everybody in the company is sold on it. Right. You know, uh, uh, another good analogy for this is if you board a plane for, from San Francisco and you're saying, I want to go to Washington, D.C., but you're off by one degree, you'll end up in Baltimore, which is 50 miles north. And if we magnify that out, that distance only gets larger and larger and larger the further out we go. Without that clear vision of, no, this is the destination. This is where we're going to. You'll never get there. You might get close, but, uh, you know, in business, there are very few booby prices. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. So if that's the first step, what comes after that? You've got the vision established and you're beginning to communicate it within the company. And I would imagine for most of the companies you're working with, at the size that we're talking about, they're relatively small at this stage, right? So you're not talking about thousands of employees, you're talking about communicating with somewhere probably between what, three and 20, maybe? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, the largest is probably going to be about 50, but that's on the, on really that high scale. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the time, the next step is you've got to really be very clear on who your top performers are. You know, again, you're consistently communicating this vision, but for your team to really trust you, you have to give them the tools that they need to be successful in achieving that vision. And so what that means is that we're looking at our top performers and we're identifying what they're doing right. And we're giving the rest of the team, the tools that they need to have that same level of performance or as close to it as possible. You're looking at your operations and you're identifying where are my bottlenecks and what do I need to do to manage those bottlenecks so that the, the business, right. Can, can increase its capacity and not be limited by that bottleneck as much as it is. We're looking for things like variability in our processes so that we can create replicable processes. Uh, variability will, will kill your business's efforts to scale every single time, every time. There's not a business alive that is really able to scale if they don't have a good handle on variability and manage it effectively. Um, even high touch, high custom businesses, there's going to be variability involved in your business that you're going to have to manage. You know, an example is maybe building custom websites. Um, if you're building custom websites, the variability could come in the form of, of different customers that are coming in and asking you, you know, the kind of website that you're going to build for a, um, you know, a new marketing firm is going to be a lot different than the website that you're going to build for a daycare. And, and that variability can have an impact on your business's ability to perform and scale. Um, so we, we help you as a business um, manage all of that level of variability, all of that waste. We, we help you identify it and teach you how to manage it so that you can really step in confidently to that next phase of growth, knowing that you can duplicate your top performers and, and guarantee the results that you have up to now, um, independent of whether or not you're involved in the business. Yeah. You know, the variability will drive you nuts, um, particularly in, in a service business. So what I see a lot of experts and professionals doing is, you know, they've got, kind of the skill set that could be applied to lots of different types of businesses. And maybe they built a small team to help facilitate the, the delivery of that skill set. And then they apply it to all these different types of businesses because they lack enough flow of opportunity. So they've got to take whatever's coming, but it creates a business that you can hardly ever get out of the mud right? Because it's so hard to get traction. So yeah. what I'm hearing you say is that one way to look at variability is to uh, is to simplify and reduce the number of types of clients that you're working with. That would be one way, kind of niche down. Yeah. yeah. Um, another way that I, I just trying to kind of extract some of the nuggets here would be to productize the service so that you're delivering instead of a custom thing, you're delivering a very standardized thing that maybe fits 90 or 95% of the market need, you know, but does yeah. so at a very standardized way and probably at a, a fixed cost. What are some of the other ways that you analyze variability in, in different businesses? What do you look for? Well, so, yeah. So there are like six different types of variabilities that range from, you know, the subjective preference of your customers to 
the speed at which they're arriving to the skills that your team has, the, the, their ability to perform, to even just the effort that your customer is required to put in so that they can get the results that they want. Like a website, the, the, for a website design company or a website development company, the level of impact that they're going to be able to have is severely mitigated by whether or not that customer is interacting with you and telling you, hey, this is my brand. This is the language that I like to use. These are my customers. Branding, marketing, able to understand, hey, what do you really value in your business? Who are your target audience? What are you trying to really build here? And then let's build a brand that's going to communicate to your customers in a meaningful way. You know, building out systems and processes that impact that, that variability and reduce it um, can have a, a dramatic impact. I actually earlier today um, had a great call with someone who was able to realize that the variability in customer effort was having a huge impact on their cash flows based on the way that they had structured their deal flow. And at the end of the call, they said, so this is how I need to change my, my deal flow so that I can re-free up that cash and start getting more of that cash in all from understanding what this variability is. And, and, you know, what I'll, what I'll do is on my website, I'll put up a, a blog post that your listeners can go to um, that'll outline these six different types of variability and, and how they can identify it in their business. Yeah. I think that's huge. I mean, these are the things that as you're scaling, you've got to start thinking about and, and everybody wants to think, I mean, look, I love marketing. You know, that, that's the business we're in. Everybody wants to think that scaling is all about more marketing and better sales. And to a point it is, I mean, you need to have the opportunity, you know, flow to, to be able to take advantage of it. But I think more often than not, scaling profitably, and that, that second word there is kind of key, is, is all about looking at all of these other things, which have often little to do with your sales and marketing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, think of it this way. I, I, when I introduce myself and people ask me what I do, I always talk, tell them about a water bottle. If you try and put more water in this bottle than it can hold, it just overflows. And it's the same thing with your business. If you're trying to put more sales into your business than your business can hold, those sales are going to just slip out. They're going to slip out and you're not going to be able to take full advantage of all of your team's hard work. Or all of your hard work, if you're leading the sales charge in your team. And you know, if that, if that bottle is full of holes and you try and put water in it, the water is just going to flow out everywhere. It's going to be like a sieve. And uh, again, you'll never be able to fill it up. And so you got to patch up those holes and increase the size of the container in order to grow and, and grow profitably. That's the key, you know, and, and I think that a lot of times we get so enamored of this idea of I'm just going to go out and I'm going to sell everything to everybody and they'll come in and they'll buy my stuff and I'll just deliver. And if I can't, then I'll just add more employees. Well, one of the number one causes of growth, and I was shocked when I learned this in my master's program, one of the number one, one of the top causes of business death in the United States is growing too fast. If you grow too fast and you can't handle the operations you, your business risks death. And, and so by identifying this variability um, and this waste and really shoring up your operation side, you're setting a standard to which you're able to grow. 
Um, and, and it's this, this, this dance where you grow and grow and grow and grow, you grow ops, grow sales, grow ops, grow sales. Um, instead of letting sales lead the charge all the time or ops lead the charge all the time. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great way of putting it. So you've looked at variability, you've looked at vision, where, where do we take the business from there? What's the next piece to look at? Yeah, the next piece is, is momentum, really. You know, let's, let's start getting your business momentum because we've got all of these internal problems that have, that have been solved and you're starting to build momentum. And now that you're starting to build momentum, we want to remove all of these other blocks. Now, I grew up in the household of an ardent nerd. Um, I affectionately call my dad, Mr. Spock. And uh, so I've, I learned all about physics growing up and momentum. The calculation for momentum is mass. How much stuff is there times velocity, how fast an object is moving in a given direction. And we can take this concept and we can actually apply it to your business, which is mass. How many people are in your business, both customers and employees and velocity? How fast are you moving towards your vision? And basically what we do is we analyze these five different factors in your business to see where is your momentum most being hams, uh, hampered, most being most being impacted and what can we do to clear that out so that now not only do you have this waste and variability cleared out not only do you have an operation system that's that's really able to cook with gas but now you're able to take full advantage of all of that momentum build self um self-enhancing self-adjusting uh, systems that allow you to adapt to changing market environments and uh, optimize your, your operations, no matter what you're doing, um, across all divisions in your business, and, and really start to scale at that point. And that's when you start hitting that 40% year-over-year growth rate, is because you're saying, how do we take full advantage of the momentum that we have? Well, and as you get going, it's been my experience, I've been, I've, I've been now in this business and in my first company, um, first company is the first place I, I experienced it. We had three years of doubling and that for a young leader, because I was in my twenties still at that point, trying to, uh, one first year I was, uh, a vice president. Second year I was running the company and the three years in a row of that, you quickly realize just exactly how good you are, how good your team is, what you can handle, whether or not your systems are up for it, it will tear things apart really, really quickly. But if you can get it to the point, I love what you said, kind of the self-enhancing system, right? If you can get it to the point where the team is looking at problems and fixing problems on their own, now it can grow because it's not just you as the leader. And I think that's, that, I hadn't thought about this before, but that might be the hardest thing to transition. You know, when you're, when you're beginning to hit this stride, most companies are at a point where the business owner is the, the you know, chief problem solver in the business. But what you're saying is you, you're sort of getting it to the point where the team is starting to take that over and so you multiply your ability to solve problems, which is good because right about that time, as you're growing at that rate, the problems are multiplying on their own. So you, you need a, a bigger team to solve them. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that it happens every time um, that your business will grow or fail based on whether or not you as a, as an, as a CEO, as a business owner are able to trust your team to solve your problems for you. And, and that's the trickiest part uh, that letting go, because, you know, ask a first time mom, how difficult it is to uh, have the babysitter come over for the first time. It's hard. It's hard, but man, is it worth it? Because think about this. And, and this is the real challenging part is that mindset wise, the problem that, that a lot of business owners have is that they think, well, if I'm not in the doing of the business, then where does my value come from? I've spent the past however many months, years in the doing of the business. And if I'm not there side by side with the rest of the team, then they're going to sit there and wonder, well, what's they, what are they doing? What, what value are they adding? Well, the value changes. The value changes as you, as you go from a startup into an actual business. The value that your executives bring changes. And the, the value that they bring is in their ability to see the future, honestly. And, and to really optimize systems and build this business independent of themselves and, and have this vision that's taking the business to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. And everything that I'm laying out here is just about, let's get everybody operating in their, in their strengths. You know, let's make sure that we've got a plan that's going to lead us down where we want to start going. And then let's get you, CEO operating in the future where you're setting a vision and you're leading the team toward that vision and letting them do what they do best and you do what you do best. And, and that's it. And, and a lot of times we let our egos get tied up in that, but, but we just can't do that if we want to scale a business. It, it just, it will never get you where you want to go. Yeah, Your ego it, is designed to keep you safe. Well, and it, I think it's particularly difficult for people who are highly educated and trained, you know, so a lot of people listening to this are going to be in a service business where they, you know, they maybe went to school for four or eight years to get a specialized degree. And then they had to probably take a test and practice for some number of years before they were deemed worthy of, you know, kind of unleashing onto the general population, their expertise. And, I, I think the tendency is to believe that, you know, when, when you go through that, some, I've, I've seen some professionals who do it from an ego standpoint, and that's what this is going to sound like, but that's not really what I mean. You, you get used to the idea that you're the smartest person in the room and you usually are. And, you know, most professionals wouldn't put it that way. They wouldn't put it that way from, you know, from a sort of arrogance perspective, but they're the one they're, they're just used to being the one that everyone goes to when yeah they you know when help is needed right because they have good judgment they're well educated they're intelligent they make good decisions um and it's i think it's really hard to feel not only comfortable replacing that but i think it's also difficult to find someone that the rest of the team will have confidence in in replacing that that capability because they get so used to coming to you for that help. Um, it's a, it's a, I, I think it's an underappreciated transition to go through. People don't understand quite exactly how the, the magnitude of it. 
I, I completely agree. You know, I, I worked in medical for a number of years and, uh, one of the, one of the things that we experience is I call the Dr. God syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, doctors are, are t- trained. They're very, very smart. Uh, they know how to find what's wrong with the body, but, uh, there's a great quote that's attributed to Einstein. It says, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life thinking it's an idiot. You know, we, we really do defer to these people who are educated, but, you know, there are plenty of, of self-made millionaires who never had a lick of education in their life, who were able to find and solve these problems. And, and I had a very, very wise mentor. He did business in China for 30 years. And uh, he taught me a, a phrase. There's a phrase in Chinese, it's yobanfa. And what it means is there is a way. Um, and, and what it's wrapped up in is this attitude of, I don't need saving. I don't need some savior to come in on a, on a charger with a shining sword and, and to cut off the head of the dragon. I'm that person. I can save myself. I'm perfectly capable of doing all of this myself. All I need is a little guidance. That's it. And, and that's to me, a huge, huge, um, misunderstood part of this. Um, and so like, as you're bridging this transition, I think that one of the things people really need to understand is that it's, it's not as difficult as you think, as long as you're intentional about it, you, as your team comes to you with problems, you always refer them to that person first. Did you check with so-and-so first? They'll have the answers. And if they can't find the answers, they'll, the, if they don't know the answers, they'll find them for you. And you consistently push them off to that person. And over a period of time, they will just get in the habit of going to that person first. And yeah, it does take a little bit of work, but it's, again, it's that intentionality and that consistency and saying, this is no longer my job. And I recognize the opportunity cost of me taking five minutes to point you in the direction of this answer is a lot larger than me telling you, go check with this person. And sometimes it hurts. It can really hurt. It's a really hard answer to give, especially when it's one that you could just go like that and and give the answer to. But the opportunity cost again is so high, you know, and that's another thing that I guess people need to recognize is scaling to scale a business. You have to really understand opportunity cost and take full advantage of that understanding. Um, And I think that that goes hand in glove here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was fortunate in, uh, in that first business to have a mentor in the founder of that company who got this. And I'll never forget, we had a conversation as he was kind of pushing me into the, the CEO role. And he said, here's the deal. What's going to happen now is that everyone is going to continue to come to me for a while. Clients, employees, you know, they're going to, they're going to want the answer from me. And, and here's the thing, we can have no end runs. And so I will be redirecting them to you and you're going to answer it the way you answer it. If you need my input, come get it. If you answer it in a way that I don't like, I will let you know, but I will never let them know. And that gave me such tremendous confidence to go do what I needed to do. And I think that contributed a lot to the success that we had you know, and in, in initially making that transition. So, you know, and I've seen, I've seen it go the other way too, where, 
you know, the, the, the top leader has brought someone in and then entertains the end runs all day long, which means the, that, that, you know, person who's brought in to kind of take the load off never actually can do it because they're undermined. Absolutely. And it, it causes so many problems in the long run, but I, I wanted to call back to something that you said that I really, really liked, Steve. You, you talked about how he said, this is what's going to happen. There are going to be people who are trying to do an end run around you. I'm not going to respond to them. I'm going to direct them to you. If you have questions, bring them to me. I'll answer them and I'll only talk to you about it. You know, I'll, I'll keep that, keep that in a safe coaching environment. And I think that that's another really important aspect there is that the, the, the leader you know, that whoever that, that business is built around, the doctor, the lawyer, the CPA, they have to show complete trust in the person that they're bringing in to replace them. It's got to be a, from the front, this is 100%, it's their show now. Um, and, and on the back end, just like you exhibited in your comment, there's that coaching aspect. So it's, it's helping elevate that new person into the role, knowing firmly that they may not be that person right now, but, you know, come hell or high water, we're going to get them there, um, through, through coaching, through, um, you know, giving them the tools and the, 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 the tips and techniques that they need to really grow into that and even exceed where you were performing initially. Yeah. Cause I, I wasn't nowhere near ready for that role when I got it. Um, and hopefully I grew into it. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's really essential. So where are the pitfalls in this process? Where, where do you see it kind of go off the rails? You know, some of the things that I see go off the rails are when people try and add too many resources too quickly, they get really excited. They're starting to see this growth and they think, Oh, I need to pull the trigger on these people right now, right now, right now, so that I can do this. No, (laughs) let's, make sure that there's an order to everything. Let's make sure that you actually need to add those people. Because again, the, the, the major pitfall is people spending way too much money and, and actually going bankrupt, despite the fact that they're getting all of these orders that are coming in. Um, you know, we got to slow down. We got to be deliberate about this. We got to make sure that your system can handle all of this growth that's coming in. Um, and, you know, five times, Actually, it's more like seven or eight times out of 10, you won't need to add new people just yet. And if you do, it's probably only one new person that's going to free up a lot of administrative tasks that will allow you to then focus on sales um, and allow your people who are in fulfillment, focus on fulfillment, your people who are in marketing, focus on marketing, things like that. So I think that's a major pitfall that we see. Um, another major pitfall that we see is one that you talked about where people will bring in someone that, that can do that admin or, or really take over that front man position, but then entertain those end runs all day long, you know, that, that inability to let go. And then the third thing is just not implementing, (laughs) you know, there are a million and a half different consultants out there. And they are all pretty good at what they do. Maybe not as good as what I do. And I say that with a little <laughs> bit of a wink, but they're pretty good at what they do. But, but uh, 
in order to get to where you want to go, you actually have to start walking. It comes back to that idea of you don't need saving. You don't need, no one can carry the water for you. You have to carry it. You have to do the work. If you don't do the work, you're going to be stuck where you are. And, you know, you have to decide, is this a place where I want to be? Or if I really want to go, if I really want to grow, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to get there? And, and when I say sacrifice, I don't mean that this is going to be a difficult thing, but what I mean is, are you willing to do the work to get to where you want to go? If you're not willing to do the work, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up about it. Embrace where you're at with gratitude and, and be the best you that you can be. But if you want to grow, then let's get the pedal to the metal and let's start doing the work now. I love that. I think that's a perfect place to kind of put a bow on it. Um, for folks who are listening to this and they're going, I'm in that boat. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I got my eye on, on a million a year. Maybe I'm just over it and I know it's time. How can they find out more about the work that you're doing and kind of get more into to your thinking and, and your approach to this? Yeah. So uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Zachary Stuckey on LinkedIn. Uh, they can visit my website, contact me through there, homericconsulting.com, um, Homer, like Homer Simpson, icconsulting.com. Um, it doesn't mean Homer Simpson. It means epic or grand in scale. Um, and that's what we want to help you build your company to become is, is really epic and grand in scale. You know, they can, they can email me, Zach at homericconsulting.com with questions, or we can schedule a time to sit down. Um, and really start diving into the nitty gritty and, and help get you out of your own way to scale your business. I love it. Zach Stuckey, thank you so much. It's been a great investment of time. I hope everybody listening uh, feels the same way, but I got a ton out of it. I got a, at least one idea written down here that uh, I know that I need to go implement. So I hope you did too while you're listening out there and uh, be sure to check out Homeric Consulting. We'll link all that up in the show notes. Zach, thanks again for being here. Thanks so much, Steve. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.